The OneStream Global Education Services team proudly presents the OneStream Podcast with your host, Peter Fugere. Greetings, fellow OneStreamers, and welcome to the OneStream Podcast, where we explore and examine all things OneStream, talk to experts in the industry, and gain knowledge from some of the brightest minds that help deliver and implement solutions for our clients. This episode is part of the OneStream Foundation series, where we explore and examine fundamental design concepts, tools, and topics surrounding OneStream. I am your host, Peter Fugere, Chief Solutions Officer at OneStream Software. And as always, I'm excited about our topic today, data blending. Here with me to discuss the topic is Andy Moore, Director of Marketplace Technology on the Marketplace Strategy Team at OneStream Software. Welcome, Andy. Yeah, thanks, Peter, for having me. Excited to uh, talk to you and all of our listeners and customers and partners about uh, data blending here today. So Director of Marketplace Technology and the Marketplace Strategy Team, Tell me about this role, Andy. What are you doing over there? Over in the Marketplace Strategy Team, as many know, we've got our Marketplace Solution Center where everyone can go and get our Marketplace solutions. We've got our product team, the two cohesive. We are working to put one stream product out for the community, for our customers and partners to use in the field. And the Marketplace Strategy Team is really focused on innovation. That may be innovating ahead on features or functionality that folks are looking to add to OneStream, or it may just be new industry verticals or solutions that we've kind of established as part of our commercial strategy that we're looking to get into. Yeah, I've had a chance to see some of the stuff you guys are working on, and I got to be honest, it's it's really exciting. It's great to see OneStream making the investment in it. So I think it's really exciting what you guys are doing. I, I'm looking forward to more releases from the, the team. Yeah, it's, it, there's a lot of exciting stuff that we have in the pipeline. Um, you know, we're definitely really looking forward to unleashing it and sharing it with everyone. I think the some of the bigger focuses are around uh, not just enabling the community uh, for success and our customers as, as we uh, focus on 100% customer success, but really just really kind of collaboratively working together as a community to put out and create the best form of a product um, to both serve our customers and our partners who are implementing it. We'll have things coming up, excited to share related to uh, community solutions um, that will be part of you know the OneStream community, uh, as well as that will be a big collaboration point coming here for us, as well as uh, strategic modeling, where we are working and look, uh, looking for customers to work with in terms of requirements to you know collaboratively, again, put out great product and work together. Let's talk about why you're here today. Let's talk about data blending. Yeah. Um, you know, when, when I think about data blending, and I've heard so many terms, you know, from my time here, here working at OneStream, people talk about data blend, relational blend, BI blend, analytic blend. I mean, there's a lot of blending going on. So maybe maybe we could take a step back and uh, sort of focus on it. Maybe we could start talking about when you think about data blend, relational blend, what is it? What is relational blending? Why is that important to me? Relational blending is really uh, represents any time cube data is blended with data stored in a relational database. So, you know, what does that really mean, right? So that, that kind of means you know, an easy example of a relational solution today is people planning. So we know it leverages things in the cube, right? It's going to leverage our cost centers, our departments, our entities, our regions. It's going gonna, it's gonna to leverage a lot of those elements that we already have in the OneStream platform, but it's process itself of actually creating the data, calculating the data, ingesting the data, and consuming that and creating a reporting view for the users um, to carry out their processes for, say, a people plan really is done outside the cube um, as it lends itself nicely to the objective that we're looking to accomplish. 
so what's really the difference between a cube and relational? Like when you, when if I'm a client, I'm thinking, sitting here thinking and looking at the the design of the application. I mean, what should I be thinking of when I look at like a cube versus relational table? Like what what's what's that mean? Yeah. So when when I think about cube versus relational, you know, the first the first thing that um, comes to my mind uh, in terms of identifying is the level of detail in which you're collecting. The cube is you know definitely going to be more structured around what your collections are. It doesn't mean that you can't collect certain levels of detail in the cube. You want to pick the right tool for the job. So one of the key indicators I look for is the level of detail. So some something that's transient, something like people or skew uh, or projects, uh, something like that, that's going to indicate, hey, we've got a series of calculations that we want to really shape or phase out our data over time in our forecast or budget process or even actuals. And then load that up to a, a more summarized view to those departments or cost centers where those costs you know, sit on the uh, integrated financial statements of uh, a company. So that's interesting. So like ju- just some of those dimensions that you laid out when you're describing it, what I'm hearing is detail. So more of the transactional detail, the volume data, that makes sense to be in a relational table. And the cube is really more of the the financial aggregations, calculations, auditing, sort of the slice and dice that we talk about and the enhanced reporting. And so it's sort of, correct me if I'm wrong, and it gives you the best of both worlds, right? Like you, you're able to do this great reporting and have the detail at your fingertips. Exactly. Yeah. So you've got every level of, of detail uh, as part of that process. You know, sometimes I really also think about it as a data source inside of one stream for the cube. If we're thinking about our cube as the final home, right, for where we're doing the aggregation and slicing and dicing, and we've got other uh, financial intelligence that we're infusing into it, whether the calculations or tra- you know, transformations, we can really keep that level of detail where it needs to belong while still having the agility to transform and calculate and generate the detail that we need at, say, an employee line item level or a capital project asset line item level uh, to really get the insights that we need right in one stream, um, which is really where a lot of the power comes, is not having to leave one stream, but having the flexibility to do all the analysis and generation of your plan data and forecasts in an easy uh, manner that has easy, consumable, rich reporting experiences attached at the end of it, really throughout. Because you, one of the things I think that we all forget, including you know something I, I learned very early on uh, here in OneStream, was that you can actually, the power of OneStream is being able to, as well, not just pick the right tool for the job that we're talking about here in this lens of relational blending versus data that should live in the, in the cube, but also the ability to attach reporting at every step of the process. It's not just a, here's where we prepare it, and then we push it to this place. Here's where we can prepare it. Oh, and by the way, we can use all the same rich reporting features that we have today that are embedded in the platform right here as well before that data gets to the cube. So I think that's a really important factor uh, to call out as well. So just thinking about the architecture here of this setup, I mean, all of this is done in one stream. I know we use SQL for the underlying database for our cube architecture, but these are just other SQL tables that we're accessing through one stream. Yep. These are all these are just other relational tables that are sitting in the application database that are available to us for whatever solution that we are looking to accomplish, whether it's a marketplace solution or even a custom solution that a customer would like to do. So this sounds like a really powerful option. This sounds like, you know, you can really enhance your reporting with it. Um, Does everybody use, like if I'm a client, I'm sitting there, I'm thinking, well, how do I know if I need to use this relational blending? Like, how do I know if I need it? Like, what are sort of the drivers that would make me think, you know, 
this is something I should look at as an option maybe in my application? And that's a great question. Um, there's going to be different indicators for everyone, but I think as part of the overall process and you're thinking about moving to a, a one stream as part of your implementation uh, from prior solutions or tools and uh, legacy systems, really what you're looking at is that process or that journey map, right? And you're kind of going through and you're doing your financial consolidations, right? You're going to be doing that in the cube. That's what it's kind of what the cube does really well in terms of consolidations and the intelligence that we have built in. And then you're doing a lot of your high level planning, which is also very, very commonly done in the cube and should be done in the cube. And then you start getting into more of those operational use cases. And once you start getting into more of those operational use cases, you tend to find that there's more, as I mentioned before, more transient type dimensions that you're looking to track uh, or calculate by, or not even track or calculate by, those dimensions might be driving your process underneath. So really, you want to try to identify what's what level of detail is driving that process? Where does that process start in one stream in terms of what do I need to calculate and where do I need to load? What do I need to do? Is it am I reading this data? And that's where something like understanding relational blending versus the cube versus BI blend can become very important, right? Um, because BI blend, uh, a lot of people have associated it with data blending and analytic blending. And and yes, it's part of it. It's just another tool that we have available to us, like relational blending we're talking about here today. So that's interesting. So now we, we, we're sort of breaking out into three groups. There's the cube, which I think if, you, if, you're, if you've been to some training and you've been to a couple of demos, you, you can conceptually get, it's an aggregation of those 18 dimensions. Okay. So it's, it's mm -hmm. creating data in that, you know, cube setup. And there's a whole design around that. We've got relational blending where we're using those relational tables to just drop a large volume of detail. You know, you gave some great examples of dimensions. And now this BI blend, and the BI blend, again, is using a, a relational table. But if I understand it right, you can do some calculations and you have some different reporting options. Is that right? Yeah. So BI blend, it's actually... You know, it's uh, near and dear to the stage engine, actually. So it's kind of like a child of the stage engine in a way because it uses light to moderate financial intelligence and transformation roles and leverages all the existing assets, Peter, that we have in our tool today in terms of hierarchies. But it can also leverage hierarchies or structures that are not captured in one stream to generate views of data that starts at a transactional operational level for quick insights in reporting. It allows us to take, you know, a great example is if anyone is doing a direct method for their cash flow at a transactional level, might be bringing in, Peter, their AP transactions, their AR transactions, all the different ins and outs to kind of have it perform a aggregation netting of those transactions to produce a cash flow, basically a, a daily cash of here's how much cash we have right now. Here are all the ins and outs. Um, and they can do that on a not a daily level in the sense that they're it's daily data. Yeah, it's transactional data. It's just it's load. It could be loaded in every day. It could be loaded in every week. You can actually create calculated measures like you were mentioning. Uh, whether those measures are quarterly measures or time related measures, they could be averages. It could be min, max, sums. You can figure out your top hundred customers based off your transactional um, data that's loaded in uh, on the frequency that you would like to see that insight um, that can really kind of drive a call to action for uh, customers that can result in some other task to take place in their process. So this, so this is really interesting. So now if I think of a cube as 
you know, probably is something smart, right? There's a lot of financial intelligence in that. You have these account calculations you can do right to the cell level. Um, the, the accounts know, you know, from an accounting perspective, functionally, what they are. They're an income, they're a revenue, they're expense, whatever. Um, you know, and then I think of a relational table as kind of dumb. You know, it's just a, a big staging table of data. BI blend is something in between, isn't it? I mean, you you've, you don't have quite the financial intelligence you would from a cube, but it's not like a dumb relational table. It's You can do some calculations. There's functionality there, and it's sort of in between. And it, it sounds like really from a design perspective, this is another tool people can have to solve that uh, that gap between you know just getting detail and then a summary cube is that right that's absolutely right yeah so like a, you know a great example of that might be um, you know to expand off the one I was already using if people are trying to see what their uh, cash flow is like on a daily basis or their solvency is uh, you know from a from a cash flows perspective what they can do is they can actually bring in their AP uh, transactions at that level their AR transactions, they can load in their their people uh, roster or employee roster and calculate and generate their people plan, which would be done as we talked about earlier in relational blending. And they can see all the expenses that they would have going out on that for a month and they can actually create unif rich unified views, uh, Peter, that kind of bring a call to action and, and give them quick insights into a complete view. Uh, because once you combine the relational blending of say generating a people plan, with the transactional data that you've generated through an engine like BI Blend, you can really blend that information together with your high-level aggregated cube data uh, to see how you're trending in your forecast and your strategic plan that are yeah. tied to your initiatives and your metrics that you're reporting back to the board on a quarterly basis. Yeah. So, so no longer are you really stuck in a world where you're waiting until the end of the month to report on these things or generate these things. You could you know, that's why I really mentioned the frequency aspect of it. Um, you know, so many uh, folks, including myself, we I got caught up in, well, hey, we're loading this daily. It's, it's just the, the frequency. It's the same data that we were loading to at the end of the month to the cube, but we're just loading it on a more frequent uh, manner. And we're also just loading more of it. And we're blending it together, blending this data together to create this, this reporting view that's going to give us some actions to take or some insights as part of our overall process that we're already capturing in the cube as part of the OneStream workflow. And that's really the powerful thing. I mean, we talk about it all the time at OneStream about how we're a platform and what that means. And, you know, it, what we're talking about here, it's usually multiple tools. I mean, this is a really mm -hmm. powerful option. So let me ask you a question then. Let's let's dig into the structure of this. Let's Let's talk about it. How hard is this thing to set up? Like, Take me through the data flow. Maybe let's start with that, and let's talk about how you'd even configure this. Is this a difficult thing to do? No, I mean once we've figured out the structures and in a design. So once we realize what, hey, what what do we want to plan? What levels do we want to plan at? You know, we we know a lot of folks. People planning is one of the first marketplace solutions from a relational level uh, that they want to implement, uh, which makes sense. It's uh, usually represents six, you know, fifty anywhere from fifty to seventy percent of someone's. Uh, operating expenses. So from that aspect, as we're designing, you know, we're really focused on what data is coming in and, and when is it coming in? How frequently is this refreshed? What process is it supporting, right? So really, once we establish that during a design, a lot of these indicators that we talked about earlier, is it transient? You know, is it, a, is it at a person level? Um, you know, not every account needs to be planned at a person level. You might plan salaries for 
your hourly and your salaried employees, but then you might plan bonuses based off of the data that you load in from those salaries. So you've got the flexibility to do mix and match and use the right tool sets uh, based on what you know, what level of data you want to bring into the system to generate that data and insights that you're looking to get to at an aggregated level. So to circle back to your, your, your question, it becomes quite easy to extend once you've got that kind of global holistic design that we start every project with. So tell me about security. I mean, is is this data secure? Is that tough to configure? And, and how does that setup work? The data is definitely secure in all areas of OneStream. So the, exter- the BI blend using the workflow as an interface, really workflow becomes the interface at which everyone interacts with with OneStream in their, in their data, uh, whether it's through a rich workspace reporting or even a workspace that's focused on consuming data through forms or even imports, right? We can secure the data through BI blend in the cubes as well as relational blending in that manner. So department heads are only seeing what they're supposed to see related to their departments, which is correlating as well to the views for financial reporting for actuals, uh, for the legal entities. So all of this can seamlessly coexist inside that OneStream platform. Uh, and it, it's, it's very easy for us to extend our security down to those levels. Tell me about reporting and dashboarding. What, what type of reports can you do? And is there anything special about the BI blend or relational blend reporting that you know, we have other options for? You know, the reporting, it's really holistic across the entire platform. It's like, as I, as I mentioned earlier, all of our reporting features are, are, are very embedded into, into one stream and available for any data set, right? So as we're reporting on BI Blend, uh, we've got sp- uh, specific features that really uh, tailor towards BI Blend reporting if you are using that as a tool um, as part of your rich, unified reporting experiences you're looking to create in one stream, right? So... BI Blend itself can use to leverage the large data pivot grid. It can also leverage our native pivot grid. So really the difference between that is our large pivot grid is really optimized at a server level for that experience on large volume reporting coming from that transactional data that you generated and aggregated in BI Blend. Now, you can also use that large data pivot grid with relational blending. Uh, and you can also use it with the cube data too, or even state data that's in stage that you want to relate back to the cube. Um, so all all of these features become available to you uh, across all all of our reporting options that we're talking. And I about guess here. Andy too that sorry to interrupt, but I guess too Andy the the data's just so different too. I mean, when you talk about a cube, you have some of the drilling and some of some of that stuff. And you know we can do some with BI Blend. Um, you know, it, do you do you normally do dashboards or what? What are the types of reports you'd even set up in something like that? Yeah, I'm I'm a big dashboard guy. Um, it's definitely uh, near and dear to me. It's something I love to do. Um, really, you know, working with customers and partners to kind of extract that vision, kind of transform what they have today into something that's really gonna be uh, a generator of the actions and the insights they're looking to get something that's going to be different, something that's going to offer them flexibility, you know, and some, you know, some examples of that could be anything from uh, for people planning and just forecasting, right? Now you may want to see your people plan data next to a form that you're forecasting for uh, data in the cube as part of that rolling forecast, right? You may want to see your actuals at a transactional level. Um, You may want to bring in some new POs or you may want to link into some other subledger systems and see that data 
uh, aggregated on uh, a more frequent basis right up against your actuals that you've loaded in monthly as well as your forecast data that you forecasted in the prior month. Because um, it's very insightful to see how you're trending, especially in today's world and today's economy uh, with everything that we have going on and, and even going, you know, dating back to when COVID started. Um, we saw a huge uptick in a lot of people wanting to produce um, unified experiences inside of one stream around reporting that also encapsulate their process and allow them to act on information in that unified experience. So Andy, over the course of your time at OneStream, have you experienced any cases of, you know, where relational blending, initially you didn't think it was going to work, well, you didn't think it was possible, and, and how did we get the client happy? And we, I know we pride ourselves on 100% customer satisfaction. Tell me about how we, we turned around a problem into something exciting. As people are bringing in more and more data, we're, you know, the problems that we're looking to solve either become bigger in scope or they're, or they're also becoming new to us in terms of what we traditionally um, would have solved in, in an EPM product. And that's really where the CPM platform um, within OneStream is really excelling. So looking back here, uh, two, two similar cases was, were really at a relational blending level. And this was actually before BI Blend came out. Um, I don't think it would have changed how we solved it. But, you know, maybe we would have considered some other approaches, but really from a BI Blend perspective, um, which handles transactional processing very well, we really needed it, the ability of transactional processing to generate line items for a planning perspective. So we, we wanted to look at using BI Blend when it first came out, but we really wanted to have the ability to generate and write calculations at a, at a lower level than even we're doing at BI Blend. So we focused on relational blending. Because um, we didn't, you know, we knew we needed to generate it out over 30 years, this data. Um, you know, this was both for manufacturing and construction companies. And uh, what really pushed us was, um, you know, in, in, in prior tools, they were kind of using the tools in a way that they weren't traditionally used. So that's kind of what we uncovered was that we, a lot of the tools that we compete against, even there were even a lot of edge use cases inside of those tools that people were asking us to take over. And in this case, what pushed us was the requisition aspect of it um, in both in both instances that I, I'm going to relate to here, where we really needed to produce kind of a, an approval process. We needed to have a whole workflow experience that was a lit a bit more than what our workflow even has today that we uh, did through our, our dashboarding um, that we talked about earlier, uh, that, that's what facilitated a lot of that, right? And so we're able to embed that right into our native workflow. Um, but the volumes of data that we were generating or that we were getting were really at a level of more of a asset requisition and a people requisition where they were, there were a lot of transactional records coming in um, and we were generating a lot of planning data off of that. And it was, it was really, um, you know, it, it, it was definitely a challenge at the beginning. I'd say, uh, you know, not just from a data side, but also thinking about how we wanted to consume the data. And one of the biggest things, you know, in, in going through a, a project like this, where you have a lot of data volume coming in, um, you really also want to focus on how that data is going to be reported on. Check, you know, I can't stress enough because you can consume it, but you want to consume it in a way that you can facilitate querying it in an easy, uh, fast manner, and you can make it easily accessible. Um, so over that time, the request that we had was to really kind of beat the legacy tools that we were replacing. And in that time frame, they were calculating um, 
they were managing about a hundred thousand assets and they were calculating uh, you know, getting new ones almost every day. They were acquiring, they were growing just like we've been growing. So they were looking for a tool and a platform that would scale with them. So handling that scalability and designing out for that uh, is really where we kind of opened up the workflow to have more workflows to help process and create lanes, processing lanes for that data as it came in. That That's interesting, Andy. <clears throat> what you're saying there too is you know, when, when you think of like a traditional application, you're building like metadata or structure to capture values. And you're talking about 100,000 assets and adding assets constantly. You know, th that's an important consideration, I think, for relational blend and is that you're, you're not updating the metadata, that you're just updating the table and the details there. That's that's really important, I think. No, absolutely. And so, Peter, one of the one of the big uh, advantages of picking the right tool for the job in one stream based on the data set you have and what you're looking to accomplish and how agile you need it to be is, again, going back to establishing those indicators during design of transient metadata, right? So instead of having to have a full MDM process to manage people in the cube or an asset in the cube or a SKU in the cube, you can get the same benefits of being able to report on it every step of the way you know, to capture the detail from when it came in to what we generated for our plan into what was loaded to the cube. I'm not really having to worry about managing all of those lists in the cube. Um, so that's where a lot of these tools can lend themselves really nicely and actually uh, can release the burden of a lot of traditional MDM capabilities that people would have, would have had to account for previously. So this has been fascinating, uh, Andy, and I could see how all of this ties into everything you're doing at the marketplace. Um, it's really interesting. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. Andy, thank you so much for bringing your expertise to the podcast today. And thank you, fellow OneStreamers, for joining us. If you enjoyed today's podcast, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. I look forward to bringing you another exciting podcast. And until then, take care, and I'll see you next time on The OneStream Podcast. The OneStream podcast is brought to you by the OneStream Global Education Services team.